This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Praise the Lord. Glad to see you made the effort to come to church this morning. I believe every sacrifice is based on preference, so you made a good choice. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high, and our ushers would gladly get you a Bible, and then you will go with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Now, we're going to take the, the whole chapter or the whole book of Joshua in the next few weeks, and we'll just go different direction each week with some of the, the stuff that's in there that you begin to find out. But where this starts at is, remember the Israelites, God had said to them, I want to lead you to the promised land. I want you to live in that promised land mentality and the life of the promised land. But we know for 40 years that they never made it, even though that was God's desire. And I believe still God has that desire for us to live in the promised land living. So you and me, we were all made for more. And, you know, when you look at the Israelites, they wandered around in the, in the desert for 40 years. It's never too late to come to God. It's never too late to walk into the promised land mentality so we're going to talk about that today. And again, begin with me in Joshua chapter 1. But even with the Israelites, they had to ask themselves this question. How do I get from here to there? What do we got to do from getting to here to there? And you'll find out that to do that, it's not always easy. It's not convenient. It's not a walk in the park. But I got to begin to live by how the kingdom of God or the word of God tells me to. And when I do that, I begin to live for more. So we begin in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Now, what a description of Moses, the servant of the Lord. And if you look at his life, and Moses served God up till the, the last breath that he had, but he never entered into the promised land. Even though, they, even though he knew that's what God wanted for him. He still never walked in that. He goes on to say, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying. Now when we look at Joshua, when you, you see there he was Moses' assistant, that didn't just happen. It wasn't the luck of the draw. The reason he became Moses' assistant, because of his faithfulness, but also because of his loyalty. And you begin to see how the kingdom of God operates, that when you're faithful in a little bit, God moves you to much. This is what happened to Joshua. Remember, he was surrounded by such ungodly people. The, the lack of faith and trust in God. But something happened with this man that he continued to believe God. He continued to trust God. And I, I want to get that in you today. I don't know what you're going through, but God has more for you. Just continue to look to him. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over to this Jordan. Now, it was a time for, for Joshua to lead the people but he said, arise. You're going to have to get up. You're going to have to do something. It's just not going to happen. Arise. And he says, go over this Jordan. Now look who he's addressing this to. You 
and all this people to the land which I'm giving them, the children of Israel. And so he's saying, again, it's not going to happen unless you step up. You're going to have to live by faith. You're going to have to obey the kingdom of God. You're going to have to pursue, unafraid, undaunted. Just stay after, day after. And if you'll notice there, the promised land living wasn't just for Joshua. It was for all of them. And that's the same for every one of us. Now, for time's sake, skip with me to verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, within every job, within every assignment, it can be, it can be frightening. It can be challenging. But with God, it'll be an adventure. And so in this passage right here, with what he said here, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That promise extends to me and you. God will never put us in a position to cause us to fail. But i got to continue to look at him. And so that's what he was telling Joshua. My design for you is not that you fail. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you through this. Verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Now, why would God say that to him? Because with every assignment, with every challenge, with everything that God calls you to be, it's going to take be strong in the Lord and of good courage. In other words, don't quit. Don't give up. And when you see the word good courage, it tells me there's going to be some things you're going to go through just like he did. But he said, be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide as inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So you know what he's just telling you? He's saying to Joshua, he said, listen, I got more for all of you. I got an inheritance. I want you to walk in it, but it's just not going to happen. Now watch what he says in verse 7. Only, only be strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it, my commandments, to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. And so he's telling them here his desire, I want you to prosper. I want you to be successful. But you're going to have to be strong and of good courage. Don't give up. Don't quit. Same chapter, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Now we see this phrase here, be strong and of good courage, three times in four verses. I mean, when God tells you something in repetition like that, God's wanting us to get it. He's wanting us to marinate this. He's wanting to soak us in this and say, listen, you're going to have to get this on your heart. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so he's telling, it may not be easy, it may not be convenient. Don't lose your resolve. 
there will be days with this warning here that you'll try to be discouraged and afraid. But if I'll hang on to the promises of God, God's going to walk us through it just like them. Verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people. Now remember, God had dealt specifically with Joshua. Joshua goes to his leaders and he commands them. But now you look, he goes to the people. What's taking place here is Joshua understands that in order for them to walk into the promised land, to the more that God had for them, it was going to take every one of them. None of them would be exempt. And so he says, tell all the people and say, prepare provisions for yourself. Live with self-discipline. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. So when you see here, he says, go to all the people. You know what's taking place here? With every one of the Israelites, there was a special assignment and a unique job that God had for every one of them. In order for us to go into the promised land, it'll take every one of us. None of us are exempt. If you go through that and look, he doesn't excuse or exempt any of them. Now watch how strong this is, the last verse of chapter 1, verse 18. Whoever rebels against your command or your orders and does not heed your words and all that you command him, he shall be put to death. And you know what he's getting over here? This is strict discipline. And he said, if you're going to be disloyal, we don't even want you to be a part of it. Now look at the exhortation he ends with. Only be strong and of good courage. So the very things that God had repeated and said to him, he tells them, in order for us to pull this off, you're going to have to be strong. A good scripture reference for you, and that is Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord, the power of His might. Be strong and of good courage. And so when you look at this, to me, he's telling them, you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to believe with me. Now, just think about all this. They've been wandering around for 40 years in the desert. They listened to this man named Joshua who's convincing. Come on, we can do this. God has more for every one of us. So they cross the Jordan River, and the first place they come to is a little city called Gilgal. Gilgal becomes their, their, uh, their base, their base camp. And we're going to study Gilgal next week. But before they leave from Gilgal to go to Jericho, remember Jericho was the first city that they would encounter. And, and if you remember the commands there in Jericho, the Lord said to Joshua, he said, now here's what I want you to do. You march around that city six days in a row, and you don't say a word. But on the seventh day, you march around that city seventh time. And on that seventh time, when I say shout and blow the trumpets, you shout and blow the trumpets, and the walls will fall down. 
Now, how would you like to be the general of that army, being Joshua, and look at your soldiers and tell them, and they would have the thought, he's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. But remember what he would told them. If you'll listen and obey and do what I've commanded, God's going to be with us. So you can begin to sense the momentum building when they begin to obey what he says. And, and picture yourself in that. We're marching around the walls of Jericho six times. We don't say a word. You know one of the reasons why I believe God told them don't say a word? Because most of the time the battle for every one of us is lost about an inch below our nose. Right here. Right here. Mama said, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. Well, there's some truth to that. And so I believe, you know what Joshua's saying? Just keep your mouth shut. You know what keeping my mouth shut in my house is called? Dropping it into neutral. You know what that means? If you can't get in agreement with what I'm praying or what we're believing God for, just drop it neutral. Keep your mouth shut. Has that ever happened in your house? Quite frequently, my wife will look and say, you need to drop it in neutral. <laughs> so that's what he says. But the seventh day, man, I'm telling you, when that trumpet sounded and they begin to shout. Now think about this. They shouted by faith. When they started to shout, every one of those walls were up. Let me ask you today, what are you shouting at? Do you shout to the mountains in your life, the promises of God? Because when they shouted, can you imagine what they saw when they began to see those walls crumble? I bet they were doing cartwheels. I'm not going to do a cartwheel. I ate a cinnamon roll. I probably could. I'm all sugared up right now. Can you see the momentum? How God began to place within them? God's got more. God's got more. And so I encourage you today, be strong and a good courage, and you shout. You shout unto God. When the going gets tough, shout unto God. When circumstance try to look like quicksand and you're going under, shout unto God. Begin to trust God because that's the way we get to promised land living. That's the way we begin to live in line with what God has for every one of us. And in verse 7, he said, I want you to prosper. Now, you begin to ask the question, well, how does that look like for us today? Well, we're on our way to a promised land. It's called heaven. But we got a journey while we're going, and we're on that road. God has inheritances for every one of us. And so i got to believe Him and trust Him. And just as God called Joshua with an assignment, you've got an assignment. Every one of us in here, and what you're going to see this morning is not one of us are exempt from any type of assignment. I don't care who you are. So what begins to happen when we come into promised land living? In our society, we think promised land living is about material things. It's a lot more than material things. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I can't go without the peace of God. I love the peace of God. Promised land living doesn't mean we kick back and relax and do nothing. If you look at Moses' life, until the day he died, he served God. When I studied Joshua, until the day he died, he served God. And so what happens within us as believers is similar to muscle tone or energy. 
You don't get muscle tone or you don't get energy by doing nothing. You get muscle tone and energy by doing something. When you sow, you reap. But too many times in our life, when, when I say that right here, we don't operate in the things that God's called us, and so we lack fulfillment. We have an emptiness on the inside, and many times we don't recognize why that is. And why it is, is many people, you don't know what your assignment is. Or if you do know what your assignment is, you may not have obeyed it. You've quit doing the things that God's called you to do. And so what happens, there's a void in it, and we lived unfulfilled. A lack of purpose and a lack of drive. So what that looks like as a Christian, I don't know if you've ever studied the Dead Sea, but when you look at the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea takes fresh water in day by day by day. The reason it's called the Dead Sea is it takes water in, but it never gives out. I believe this is what happens to us as believers. We live unfulfilled lives, and oftentimes we think, well, you know what, I just need something new. Maybe I need to get a new Bible, a new Christian book. I need a new praise and worship CD. You know what, I need a new church. When the reality of all this is, you're the Dead Sea. You're taking in and you're taking in, but you never give out. And when I don't give out, guys, I'm going to live disappointed. And so God has more for every one of us. Now go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be in the New Testament the rest of the morning. 1 Corinthians 15. As you're turning there, I, I will be in the book of Joshua the upcoming weeks because like I said, we're going to take one of these passages every week and study some things. So we get to 1 Corinthians 15. In this passage, the Apostle Paul, he, he's prepping them for the day that Jesus returns. You know what he says? In a twinkling of an eye, we'll be transformed. We'll be here and we'll be gone. It'll be over. And then he says in, in uh, verse 58 or 57, one of those two. Thank God that we have the victory through the Lord Jesus. But watch how he ends chapter 15. The last verse, verse 58. Listen to his thought. Therefore, my beloved brethren, my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, be steadfast, be firm, immovable. Now, think about this again. He, he's talking about eternity in heaven, and we're going, to be, we, we're going to be out of here one day, but we're not out of here yet. And so to me, guess what he was telling the church at Corinth? He was saying, listen, guys, as long as you're on this earth, you're going to have to be steadfast, immovable, always, oh, always, always abounding in the work or the serving of the Lord. No exemptions. And when you see we're to always be abounding, it's like he's saying, do it with enthusiasm. Do it with a passion. Do you know, when I, when I become a person that, that perseveres, and I do what's right over and over, do you know perseverance can become a habit? 
but so can quitting. Don't make quitting a habit. See, it's never too late to start, but it's always too soon to quit. Look what he goes on to say. Abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor. Now you may want to highlight that. Your labor. It didn't say all the women's of the church's labor. It said your labor. Your work. Your actions. Your deeds are not in vain or they're not useless in the Lord. So you know what he's telling me right here? I believe he's saying, don't become apathetic with your time here on earth. You have pursuits and plans and purposes and assignment. And guess what our assignment is? To get all the people we can to the promised land with us. And so God is still enlisting people for his army. I'm going to make a statement here, and you may want to tweet this one out. God doesn't look for ability. God looks for availability. And God needs us, and He needs you. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16, just the next chapter. Begin with me in verse 9. Now watch these words. The Apostle Paul says, For a great and effective door has been opened to me. One says, one effective opportunity for service or work has been opened to me, but there are many adversaries. There are many opponents. There will be trials and temptations. And when I read this where he says there will be many adversaries, could this be why he said to Joshua on three different occasions, Be strong and of good courage. Yeah, there's never anything in there that says we're not going to have issues come after us. And he said, so this great door's open, but there's going to be many adversaries. And those adversaries will try to get you to stop. Thomas Edison said this, he said, The reason most people miss opportunities is because opportunities show up wearing overalls. They look like work. They look like time. And I believe to the extent this is what the Apostle Paul was saying right here. Verse 10. If Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. Now watch this. For he does the work or the care of the Lord As I do also. As he does the work of the Lord. He was devoted to doing the work of the Lord. So what Paul begins to tell us there. Every one of us are called to do the work of the Lord. I believe that's part of getting more. Again, think about in this sense. And this is what the Lord Jesus said. He said, if you're not faithful in the little areas, you'll never be faithful in the much. And it's interesting to me when people come up to me and they have these big dreams and these big visions and they'll tell you everything that God has for them. And I don't doubt that that's not possible. But when you look at them and say, what are you doing right now? 
Well, I, I don't want to serve in children's church. I don't want to sing in children's church, Pastor. I'm waiting for the big events. I'm waiting for Carnegie Hall. Well, guess what? You're not ever going to get out of the Faith Kids Auditorium until you begin to serve. And so again, we all have opportunities. Turn a few pages to your right to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, the assignment is summed up in two objectives. Listen to the two objectives. Number one, we're to preach the gospel to every creature. That's evangelism. Every creature, from the little bitty guys to the biggest. Number two, the ones that get born again, we are to nurture. We are to grow them up. We are to mentor them. That is called discipleship. Those are the two great objectives. Jesus himself said in Matthew 28, he said, Make disciples and teach them the word of the Lord. The making of the disciples, I believe, is one of the greatest areas where we've failed. Because what happens is we get people born again, but we don't teach them who they are in Christ. They don't know who they are. And so again, because we don't place the identity that God says upon them, they run back to the world. And so in order for this to take place, to fulfill those two great commissions, it takes every one of us. I don't care who you are in here. Colossians chapter 4, verse 16. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Verse 17. And say to Archippus, one translation called him my fellow soldier, And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Be sure to carry out or complete the ministry that the Lord gave you. Now when you look at this right here, what the apostle Paul was saying, you've got a ministry, God's given you a call. I can't get sidetracked. I can't let it slide. I can't blow it off. And when you see the words there, take heed, this was a strong warning. It was a command or alert. It was almost like Paul was saying, this is priority. You better get a hold of this because we might as well put your name in there or my name. And to Felix, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. You know what's interesting in there? He didn't say that you may fulfill it if if you have time. He didn't say fulfill it if you feel like coming to church. So guess what this tells me? With this guy named Archippus, the day will come when he'll stand before the Lord and the Lord will say, how well did you do it fulfilling what I called you to do? Now here's where this passage gets really interesting. If you look back at verse 16... It says, I want you to read this letter to the church at Laodicea. Laodicea was a very influential business city in their time. 
Laodicea was marked as, as a people that were more content with material things than the things of God. So why does this become so significant? He said, tell those people in Laodicea. So if we were to go to the church of Laodicea, this is the book of Revelations chapter 3. It begins in verse 14, but I'm going to quote verse 15 because this is what the Lord Jesus said to the church at Laodicea. I know your works. I know your works. I know your deeds. I know your actions. I know what you're doing. Now think about this. He didn't say, I know what you've been confessing. I know what you've been believing. No, he specifically said, I know what you're doing. So guess what this tells me right here? The Lord Jesus, he scans, he's like a radar, and he sees what every one of us are doing on a daily and a weekly time frame. Guess what's going to happen? The day will come when we'll stand before Jesus and we'll give an account for our doing. So the rest of that verse says this. I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And so if you look at the content in which he said that, it had to do with their doing or their works. We're not saved by works, okay? But when we get born again and we give our heart to Jesus, we become part of the army of God, and there's no army that can walk in victory without every person doing their role. Dang, Pastor, you're preaching good. So when I read that, here's what I have to ask myself this question. If I had to give myself a grade today on how I'm doing my works, what type of grade would I give myself? Oh, Pastor, that hurt. I know. How about this? If Jesus knows my works, which he said he does, he also knows my attitude and by which I do my works. So when you're called to serve in children's ministry, do you stomp your feet and you pout and you complain and say, I'm going to do it, but I don't want to do it. So if Jesus is watching my works, which he is, what happens when I call Dora 10, months before the, or 10 minutes before the service begins and say, I'm not going to be there. Sorry, Charlie. See what I'm saying this, and I'm not, I'm not slapping people. I'm telling this is that important to the kingdom of God. This is that big of a deal to God that God's saying, I, I want more. I want more. So we go all the way back to Joshua 1 when he gathered all the people and he began to give them commands and he gave them orders and said, listen, if you're charged in charge of cooking the bacon, then get your blessed assured up and fix the bacon. If you're in charge of, of sharpening the swords and the spears, then get up and do it because guess what? Someone's counting on you. And so when we win, we all win. And so this is what he's talking about here. Now turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter 4. 
You know, when I study there in, in Revelations 3 about the church of Laodicea, it had to do with idleness. You just quit doing anything. When I see lukewarm, you know what that means? They wanted to serve God halfway. You know what that means? When we talk about salvation and eternity in heaven, woohoo, we're all in. I'm in. I'm saved. I'm saved. But when you get a phone call and says, hey, can you do this today at the church? No, 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 I'm out. I'm out. I'm busy. I'm busy. And Jesus knows I'm busy. Get it, Jesus? I'm busy. Woo. Ephesians 4. I can't read this whole passage. I could, but it'd take us a while. Your homework assignment is read Ephesians 4 because what you'll find out on this passage right here, every one of us have an assignment from God. Every one of us. Show us, Pastor, prove it. Okay, I'm glad you asked. Verse 1. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord a prisoner for serving the Lord. Paul says, I beseech you, I exhort you, I encourage you, now watch this, to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. To walk worthy of the calling. Now, if, if he wanted to, to say it in a different word, he said, instead of the word walk, he would say Get in your lazy boy and serve me. Just kick back and recline. It's okay. But that's not what he said. He said walk. Do something. That word walk is a verb. It's active. So you know what I'm doing here? I'm trying to impress all our English teachers today. <laughs> I'm not doing a very good job. I see you over there shaking your head at me. Walk worthy. Let's keep moving. Walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. See again, I'm going to get graded on this. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace, every individual one of us, grace, God's unmerited favor, was given. What was God's grace given for in this passage? Keep reading. According to the measure of Christ's gift. If we were to keep going here, you would find out that that gift he's talking about is your calling, is your assignment. It's written out right through all that that you can see it yourself. And so what I find out with the Apostle Paul that at the end of every one of his writings, he mentions the grace of God. The reason he mentions the grace of God is God will not set you up to fail. And so when God graces you, he puts his ability within you to help you fulfill that. Now I can take you back a hundred years ago, it seems like, I'm not quite that old. But I remember when they came to me one Sunday and they said, hey, We've got a little bitty guys, a bunch of fourth, fifth, and sixth graders that they don't have a teacher. We need you to teach it. Well, you know what? My first response, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. Well, again, what I find out about this thing called Christianity, it's not a spectator sport. 
God's saying, get your little behind off the sideline and get into the game. So what began to happen to me in order to teach them, I had to get into the Word and study. And the more I got into the Word, little did they know it was the more I was learning. And so guess what happened? When I began to learn, I began to take that fresh water in, but not only did I put it in, I gave it out. I'm telling you guys right now, it becomes some of my dearest moments of my life right now when I look back at those. And when me and Shelly got out of Bible school, serving wasn't optional. We jumped in. And I remember being in my 30s and I said to the Lord one day, I said, Lord, if all I do for the rest of my time on this earth is I usher, I greet. I've done that. I've ushered and I've greeted. Actually, I enjoyed them all. I was a great greeter. I was a great greeter. I'm telling you, that sounds prideful, Pastor. No, I loved it. I just loved when people would come in and, man, I'd get in and encourage them. And then there were times I remember they'd say, we need someone to work in the nursery. Well, when I would volunteer for that, that was a desperate nursery worker. I mean, this was desperate to have me in the... I would do it. I don't do diapers, but I do the nursery. We just begin to serve and we begin to serve. But early in my 30s, I said to the Lord, Lord, if I usher, I greet. I serve in the children's ministry. We did a connect group at our house where we'd have 30 and 40 couples come on marriage. I said, Lord, if that's all I do the rest of my life, I'm, I'm going to do it with passion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in like it's the, the uh, Super Bowl. I'm all ready to go. And guess what happened? When I took on that mentality, things begin to change in my life. Where I said, you know what? I get the opportunity to serve. A great and effective opportunity is open to me. Now watch how he says this. I'm going a lot further in there. This is verse number 16. From whom the whole body, the whole church, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to their effective, it didn't say according to their ineffective, but according to their effective working, by which every part does its share. Now, I may not be the smartest tool in the shed, but when it says with every part doing its share, every part means every part. I can't find in there where anybody's exempt. And so it doesn't matter what your part is. It matters if you're doing it and how you're doing it. And so many times people begin to think, well, what I'm doing is not that big of a deal. If it's kingdom work and pertains to your assignment, it's a huge deal. And I believe some of the greatest rewards in heaven are going to be the things that were done behind the scenes when no one sees you doing it. That God said, you are my boy, you are my girl. So think about this in this sense. You may be the pinky. And you may say, but pastor, I'm just the pinky. What I do is so insignificant. You wouldn't think that if we cut that pinky off. You would begin to find out real quick, it's a lot more harder to tie my shoes now than it used to be. What I'm telling you right here, every part has significance. And every part 
is what allows us or enables us to get to promised land living. And so without you, we get in trouble because look how he ends that verse. He says, and it causes, which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying or the building itself up in love. So when I look at this right here, just as God's design for the Israelites was for every one of them, it's no different than here. That's his desire for every one of us. Was Joshua pushed beyond his comfort zone? Absolutely. I'm sure there were days he looked and said, man, I'm not Moses. Well, guess what? God didn't call you to be Moses. God called you to be Joshua. Be happy being you and be happy with what God called you to be. Too many times you want the pinky says, I don't want to be the pinky. I want to be the thumb. But God called you to be the pinky. Well, I want to be the praise and worship leader. Well, you can't be the praise and worship leader because you sound like Pastor Stormy when you sing. So that's out. I don't care if that hurts your feelings. That's reality. Celebrate what God called you to be, okay? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.